Welcome back to another episode of Truth or Trash. I'm your co-host, Kevin, and with me as always is Sarah Dudley, a nurse practitioner and owner of True Path Wellness. Today we have a special guest joining us. He's an expert in the field of physical therapy and a true champion of human performance. Today we will be discussing some common myths and misunderstandings surrounding physical therapy. Please help me welcome Stephen Burkert, the founder of Snow Beast Performance. Uh, hey, thanks for having me. Uh, so what drew me into physical therapy was, um, you know, kind of uh, growing up, I wasn't quite sure what as I wanted to do. And like many physical therapists, I was a uh, average athlete and I got injured and then uh, had to go to physical therapy and then thought that was kind of a cool thing. I uh, thought maybe that might be something I was interested in. So working with some sort of athletic population, working with um, fitness and exercise, working on health, um, and then you know, fortunately got accepted into school and uh, several years later came out with a degree and they said, you're a physical therapist. So that's kind of how I ended up down that path. Um, <clears throat> not exactly knowing what I was getting into, but figuring out along the way and it's been a good fit for me. <laughs> the um, and, and you said you were average. What, what sports did you play uh, growing up? So I played uh, football, basketball and baseball. Um, I'd pick up in other sports just to play with my friends and just like keep up being uh, in the off seasons. Uh, primarily basketball. Uh, I was tall as a kid, uh, and I stopped growing, and everybody else kept growing, and uh, I kind of got out outpaced. Um, so eventually, uh, I realized uh, my my best muscle was between my ears, not not the rest of my physique. Uh, I can totally relate to that. It, it it was it was it was torture being one of the only black kids in my school and being awful at basketball. Uh, <laughs> When it came time to, to to pick, they're like, "We got Kevin," and I was just like, "Oh man, this is not going to be what you think it is." <laughs> As the years went on, I got I got picked lower and lower because everybody else kept getting taller, and I just stayed the same. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, how um you've been doing physical therapy or practicing as a physical therapist, Steve? Like twenty years now? Long uh, time? Eight, eight, I don't want to age you. Eighteen. Eighteen. Okay. Very long time. Definitely long enough to know your stuff and then some. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, transitions uh, when I when I started and what physical therapy looked like. Um, even when I was in school, there wasn't a lot of opportunity for um, growth in physical therapy. It was still kind of a, a developing field. And then actually our national organization did a great job of kind of getting us into all these other different things that we could do. And we could really offload some of the burden on the rest of healthcare by taking on some of the other tasks. So we kind of were like that uh, annoying kid in the front of the classroom that every time they were like, hey, we need somebody to do this. We're like, oh, us, we'll do that. We'll do that. Um, and eventually we kind of just made ourselves really valuable yeah. right? and kind of made ourselves irreplaceable at some point. Um, and then over years that has continued to develop. We've gone through some waves and now like bring us to like the current modern physical therapy, which is um, specialty based. It's uh, specific to certain populations. It's for a variety of people. It's kind of for everybody at a certain stage, right? Um, we can kind of fulfill a lot of needs for people um, rather than just, you know, the hospital post-surgical or like, you know, granny with a hip fracture, which is kind of how it looked like at the beginning of my career. Um, and it just has developed into a lot more now. So a lot more uh, recognition and opportunity of working with different populations, which has been cool to see develop and be part of that. And, and what do you and, and for physical therapy? Like, what do you? Um, I guess maybe it's like two questions. What what populations do you see benefiting from physical therapy the most? And then, and then maybe like, what are some of like the? Just I'm just interested in myself. Just like, what are the what are some of the common like? Like you said, like after surgical surgery kind of stuff, or where like where do you see people entering? Like, why do you see people entering? Like, I guess who and who do you see entering 
your business a lot, and why do you see them enter entering? Um, so in in the general world of physical therapy, uh, we'll see mostly uh, people coming in through the mainstream healthcare route. So these are post-surgical or some sort of injury that they've they've gone to have a procedure or they've been evaluated by a specialist and then they are told uh, go to physical therapy. What we're seeing now though is people are still are, are starting to proactively seek physical therapy. We're, we're being uh, used preventatively, right? Not as a um, after everything has happened. So we're starting to develop more into that. So people are starting to realize that there's more value rather than waiting till things happen, but being proactive about it. Um, so that gives us a great opportunity to work with a a variety of population, right? Instead of just the post-surgical, which was a lot of the beginning part of my career for sure, because that's what was available. Um, those are people that were going to physical therapy. Um, so that was the who. What was the other part we were asking? Oh, I was going to say uh, the, the who and then, the, and then the, like, I guess I was the why maybe. Okay. Um, so again, it used to be people were going because this was the only way, this was part of the uh, the hospital system, the, the mainstream medical system of you do this, you go to physical therapy. Mm -hmm. um, but now people are doing it because they want to have more longevity in their lives, right? They want to live longer and live better. So we're using that more to um, help people that are still um, athletic, they're still active, they're still trying to uh, become their best versions of themselves, whether it's for their weekend competitions or for keeping up with their kids or performing their job tasks. So the the why has kind of expanded. And that's one thing that we really can focus on is um, what's important to you. You know, we have the time to talk to clients um, so we can spend the time trying to figure out what's important to you, not because we're checking these boxes because the surgeon said we had to check these boxes, but what do you actually want to get to? Um, so that's been a real evolution. That is not the way the career started for me um, 18 years ago. This is kind of what we moved into, and that's been fun to develop. Wow. Um, I know. I would just add, um, I, I agree with all, all of that that Steve said. And from my 20 years of um, family practice and primary care, and initially being that main referral source into physical therapy, um, it was very much, I think, at the beginning of my career as well, um, what Steve said, you had someone who had an acute injury and you were sending them to physical therapy to either rehab that specific event or they had a surgical procedure and you were helping to help them recover uh, more quickly and regain the range of motion as quick as possible. Um, but I love this new, I, I love the new idea and I have tapped into Steve's services for this just myself of, um, I'm still wanting to be active, I am aging, things feel a little tighter, um, just what can we do? Look at the way I walk, look at the way I run, look at the way I stand at my desk. You know, it, how can I maximize my my posture, my movements, the balance in my muscle tone? Like, yeah, I think it's I think it's great. I like I I we should be shifting. Uh, I'm a little biased, as Kevin knows, and probably Steve, um, a lot more of our medical care um in that lens, you know, not like sick care. I've had an incident and now we need to address it. Let's just just make ourselves as resilient as possible um, in all aspects, right? So I love that we're, um, yeah, I think it's great that people are utilizing physical therapy that way. And we should have along, we should have from the beginning. Yeah. I think, you know, at the beginning of our career, sorry, we're, we're approximately the same age. We've been working around the same time. Um, you know, the, the relationship between a primary care provider and a physical therapist it was strictly a um, a transaction, right? It was is you filled out the form, and they they brought me the form, and in our actual communication, 
um, <clears throat> may have been there in some relationships, but kind of minimal, right? We, we both had our jobs that we were fulfilling, where now it's focused around that client and me and you can communicate more openly about what that client's working towards. Um, and that's just a different healthcare model, right? We're not, we're not replacing um, old healthcare, we're, we're supplementing with a new opportunity, right? Because old healthcare doesn't fit everybody. And so what we're able to do now as a primary care provider um, and you being a, you know, that primary practitioner for people and then us being the, um, the front line of any of those musculoskeletal or movement or um, pain problems, we are able to be more specific to what people are needing rather than just kind of being reactive in the traditional model. So that's been fun to, to change into. Yeah, it seems like there's, it seems like on the whole, there is just um, a bigger, like, like I said, from, we're all, like I said, relatively around the same age, and there seems to be like a bigger acceptance of, like, of, of not only, I want to say alternative medicines, but, like, alternative approaches when before it was just, like, is there a pill for that? And if there's not, then I don't know what to tell you. Um, so there is that kind of new focus on, the newer focus on, like, what, what, not only preventative, but like you said, what else can you, we can we be doing? And physical therapy, um, you know, it seems to really be filling a big hole, um, a big gap in that in that in that um, you know in that care plan. Yeah, we we get to like work with people throughout what they're looking for because at some point people were looking for that magic bullet, right? They were looking for that medication, and there's a purpose for that, right? That yeah, going to take sure. the edge off. It's going to help you move forward and get to the next thing, but we know that the long lasting effects come through movement and through activity and through healthy habits. Um, and that's the part that we get to do. Um, <clears throat> so while it's important to have that um, medication usage possibly at the beginning of things, but we don't want to become dependent on that stuff. And then you have to put some work into it. But part of that is like having a team, having support, and it's not just a, a, a self-motivated thing anymore. This is, you know, we see in all parts of healthcare, people are, are looking for help to achieve their goals and, and we kind of fill in that gap for a lot of people and can help navigate some of those parts. Yeah. And, and especially too, I think, I think there's a lot of people too want to wean themselves off. Right. I think before, like in the eighties and the nineties, it was much more like, is there a pill for that? And I think now we're more like conscious of that and being, and, and seeing medicine for what it is, which is like, it is there to help you. It is there to, um, help you get back to a bait, to a, a good baseline, but then you want to get yourself off if at all possible. And, and like you said, and, and things of like physical therapy are, are are huge in being able to regain that normalcy and try to get off the pills because you don't want to be, you know, as we get older, there's a pill for everything. Well, you know, they all interact, you know, they all they start to contradict. Um, so, you know, we definitely need things like this to be able to like, you know, that knee pain or whatever, like, listen, that knee pain might be, yeah, you're fixing with pain meds, but there's a, there's stuff you can do to you know possibly mitigate that or completely heal it you know yeah i think that's the uh, the therapy side of it and that's what i've learned to um develop and, and understand at a better level as i practice longer is my job is not do it for you my job is to teach you how to manage it yourself right yeah. there's certain things that you can't do for yourself there's certain things that i need to do for you right there's certain things that i need to direct you towards and there's obviously some hands-on work and teaching and that sort of stuff but eventually um, my, my model is like, I don't want you to have to come back and see me. Like I'm trying to put myself out of business, right? And if I continue to do that, I'll never run out of business because people want to come in and they want to learn tools. And they want to learn the skills and the tactics. And when something happens to them, they have something that they can do because we've talked about it before and they have a good understanding of their body. And then when they can't figure out, then call, right? And then, yeah. then we'll help you figure out that part that you haven't gotten down that road yet. But if we can do that, we continue to develop who that person is and their understanding 
Uh, because you're the one that walks around with your body all day long, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I can only help you for so much time yeah. per week, but you're the one that has to do it day in and day and out. I know. I, I'm just, and, um, and we think we know, all, again, I will speak for myself. And as I'm processing what you're saying, Steve, when you um, said to me the other day, well, your, your right hip's really weak. I'm like, no, it's not. You're like, yeah, yeah, it is. And um, just the way you, I think, um, yes, we live in our bodies and we know, um, how they feel. And when, especially when things creep in slowly, like it isn't maybe an acute injury, it's kind of just built up slowly over time. I think that just becomes your norm and you just don't have awareness of it. Um, so anyways, another plug for you. And I think what you, you can do for people, something that might be kind of small and naggy and you're like, oh, I'm just getting older. And my, my hip just hurts when I ride in the car, you know, for more than 45 minutes. It's just what happens when you're 45. Kevin and I have talked about this a lot. It's a lot of stuff, right? Like, oh, your yeah. metabolism just slows down. You just gain weight. It just gets a lot slower in your 40s. Well, it doesn't. We've looked at the research. Um, yeah, and I should be able to sit in my car and drive and not get out and limp for the first three or four steps because my hip is just tight and hurts. Like, that's not normal. Um, <laughs> but it's but so sometimes you need. So that's where I guess a plug for like physical therapy. You need somebody to be like, yeah, hey, that's not normal. When you're ready to do something about that, come come talk to me. We can we can fix that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, if you've been I living see. like that, and it creeps on slowly. It becomes your normal, right? And yeah. part of the things we have to do is is change the idea of what people think. And I think that's um, one of the things that's happening in, in physical therapy is we're learning um, how to communicate better with people, and learning how to make it more uh, client focused, right? Not not practitioner focused, not outcome focused, not um, what the the normal course of care is, but like where is that person at now? Um, because what's normal to them is because of their experiences. So we have to meet them there um, because it does creep on slowly. But at the same time, if we make a couple little slight changes, we can we can change that path, right? It doesn't take a, a huge degree of change to change your destination. So we can just kind of get you back towards the right path. Over time, you're getting better over time instead of getting worse over time. 100%. Yeah. And, and then, the uh this we are the um so moving on from that we are the truth or trash uh podcast and you being our first guest thank you very much um we wanted to yes, find out Steve. <laughs> we wanted to start we wanted to find out so what we do obviously is regularly we talk about um basically myths or uh old wives tales things that you know um that we've all heard about um or things that in within the industry that you are aware of um, and we wanted to find out, is, is there any truth to it or is it just totally trash? So we wanted to know from you, from the, from a physical, uh, therapist point of view, you know, what is, some um, um, you know, what's a, what's a myth that you commonly see or commonly hear, um, that you want to address today? I think maybe one of the, the bigger things that, um, we hear frequently and, you know, certain primary care providers like Sarah or other uh, people in that position are, are getting more aware of this and it, it's not happening as much. But we hear people coming in with the report of my doctor said I have the worst knees they've ever seen or I have the shoulder of an 80 year old or I have um, a neck like they've never seen in their career. And that that level of communication is just really detrimental, right? Because if you think that you have the worst knees that that person's ever seen in their life, you're mm -hmm. you're your opportunity to improve isn't, isn't very high from there, right? You're not looking too optimistic about that sort of stuff. Um, and I always took it in my career as like, wow, how about that 
Kevin, you have the worst knees this guy's ever seen. How lucky am I of the 7 billion people in the world that the worst knees are sitting on my table today? Right? How fortunate am I that I get to make this impact of the worst knees we've ever seen? Um, so I think that's one of the biggest things. And we're learning that more and more. The way we communicate to people uh, has an impact on the way they feel about themselves. And the way they feel about themselves and it has an impact on how they perceive pain and the way they experience their world. So that, having people have this really negative outlook when they come in we have to break that belief right away because you walked in here today right we're gonna make an impact within this next 30 to 45 minutes you're gonna start feeling a change and we're gonna make changes over time so you can't tell me that those are the worst needs in the entire world um so i think that's one of the things that right. we really are trying I, to get i love community. that idea right mm -hmm. yeah just you know yeah and and yeah you know certain um there's, there's certain referral sources that you know it's coming from, right? Where you've heard it like, oh, yeah, this guy always says that, right? Like, but you can't tell the client that, right? But I've seen it before. Um, but, you know, we're trying to de-escalate that threat because they feel threatened that they're in a terrible condition. They're going to have an, uh, an elevated pain level. Um, so we, we want to de-escalate that threat quickly and, and start giving them the ideas of we can make these changes. We've seen this before. Um, let's start moving in the right direction. Well, that's definitely interesting that uh, you said that their idea of what they come in with affects their pain threshold, their, their the, the pain level that they feel that they're at. Um, that's definitely interesting. So, 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 so if someone's coming in and been, they've been told they have the worst knees, you know, whatever this doctor's ever seen, then they're, then they're automatically thinking like, wow, like, like, like these, you know, like, does it hurt more? Or are they, are they, do you frequently see people like being like, wow, this hurts maybe actually more than it is, or maybe they're favoring it more than they actually even need to because they just assume that it's, it's worse than it is. So when we get into like um, people's perception of pain, and that's why people generally will come to physical therapy because they're in pain. That's, that's usually their starting point. Mm -hmm. Um, your fears and your beliefs influence your pain significantly. And we're learning that more and more. We didn't, this isn't what I learned when I was in school, right? This isn't the thought process we had 20 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. This is what we've learned recently. Um, so by changing that, de-escalating that fear level, we can impact your pain level. Um, and once we can do that, well, then we can start getting you moving more, right? And once you move, that's really where the magic is. The motion is the lotion, as we say, right? So we want to get people active. And if you feel like you're, you shouldn't yeah. be moving, and well, every time we try to move you, that threat response comes up. And when that threat response goes up, that fear level and that pain level goes up. Um, so it's really kind of, uh, you know, using the, uh, the language to have an impact before we ever do any intervention, before we actually put our hands on you, before we have you do an exercise. We need to kind of like um, set the table a little bit for that. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, yeah, I think, wow. no, I think that's, that's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's huge, and that's who they, especially if they're hearing that from their primary care, maybe that they've had a longer standing, you know, relationship with, and that's, that just frames that problem for them um, in a way where they, you know, I don't know, you almost feel helpless, right? I would. They're like, oh, it's the worst things I've ever seen. Like, stinks to be you. Like, what are you going to do about that? Um, yeah, it's not helpful. So, um, and I, and definitely plays into, um their their pain level, how they identify, um, their their ability, I think, to feel like, you know, whether they have power over the situation, whether they can improve the situation, or if it is just something they have to live with. Um, and maybe if I'm in, in defense of maybe some of those comments that probably I've even made over the years, I, you know, I don't know, try not to, try not to frame things that way, but I'm sure I have. Um, 
you know, they might even be saying it as a way to be like, oh, these are horrible. You really need to do PT because this is the worst mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Um, so yeah. maybe it's a way, you know, they they used to call that that language, um, you know, scared straight used to be the tactic, right? Like, um, you know, showing you scared straight would be like showing you those um, horrible pictures of STDs in health class, you know, never have sex because this is what's going to happen. Like never yeah. do this because it's going to be that. So it, it's, it's um, it used to be like a, 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 yeah, I guess a motivational tactic that was kind of even taught um, 20 plus yeah. years ago. Um, I don't use it anymore. I don't know that many people use it anymore. It doesn't work. You know, it, I think with different people, it's motivating in different ways, right? Some people are going to use it as their fire. Like, don't tell me I can't do that. And then they're going to do things to spite you, right? But yeah. some people are going to be crippled by that same language. Right. And yeah. by spending the time and like really meeting the person where they're at, like this is that, you know, some people you have to have the, the baby gloves on with and some people you can give it to them straight. Yeah. Um, but you have to have time to have that relationship with them and you have to have the time to understand the way that they communicate. And there's, you know, there's always there's an art form to it. Right. Sometimes you're going to say something and realize like, oh, that didn't go over as well as I thought it would. Next time <laughs> I'll approach it differently. Right. So you're trying to find out what kind of person can what kind of pushback there can be. And, you know, in therapy, too, we're kind of doing that coaching side, right? And sometimes people need that, like, um, soft coaching, right, subtle coaching. And some athletes, some people are going to respond more to that, like, in-your-face coaching. Now, that's not personally my style, but mm-hmm. there are some people that need to be pushed that way, right? Or are they um, – so they, some people can use it as a, as a motivating factor. Um, but I think we're seeing more and more that, like, you know, we need, a, we need a variety of language to talk to the same people. Yeah, yeah. That's no, that's good. That's good. Good feedback. Um, another myth. What do you think? I have a couple written down, but um, what if we said uh, something I have said or heard patients say, oh, it's, it's, it's okay. I'm just going to stretch more. My back hurts. I'm just going to stretch more. Um, yeah. What do you think? What do you think of all of us, um, do-gooders out there trying to stretch our way out of whatever we've gotten ourselves into? Right. So for the most part, people are well-intentioned, at least when they're taking care of themselves, right? So people are trying to be active. They're trying to do maybe work for them before. Um, so with back pain, they'll say, oh, I've been stretching more. Or I've been working on my core stability. Uh, but sometimes that what you think they're saying is not what they're actually doing, right? So you need to like kind of get into like, okay, what are you actually doing? Now, the thing that happens with been stretching more is if you're having pain, you're having something flared up and you stretch, that's a change in your sensation and your nervous system likes that. So that change sensation is going to change the way you feel pain. So while it might feel good while you're doing it, it might actually be detrimental down the road. And three hours later, when you're feeling worse, people aren't, aren't always making that correlation of the stretching they did because the stretching felt good when they were doing it. Mm-hmm. Right? But all it was doing was changing your input. Um, so we want to like look at people and decide, okay, so what's been happening? What have you been doing? And sometimes it's just a shift of like, okay, you're doing too much or you're doing it at the wrong time or you're just doing the wrong thing completely. Right. (laughs) So a lot of times people will think, um, you know, if you have, if you have back pain because something is, um, getting irritated, right. Say a nerve is getting pinched every time you, you rotate and side bend to one side. This is common, right. Well, if you keep stretching and rotating and side bending to that side, right, it might change the sensation in the moment, but you're probably irritating that nerve later on down the road. And you might mm-hmm. not notice it till a few hours later or till tomorrow or till you try to do something else. Um, so I think this is why we want to kind of be that person to help you make that plan and understand where you're at and then kind of fill in all the gaps, right? Everything we do, 
we're not ever doing anything magical in therapy, right? I'm not inventing new things, right? I'm just taking a aggregate of information. I'm putting it all together. And I'm trying to recognize a pattern that we see in front of us. Um, so over time, you know, the, the benefit of being an old therapist is I've seen a lot of things. So I've, I've correlated certain things. Um, so I make less mistakes, right? I still make mistakes, yeah. but like, you know, you, you make, um, you, you get off track less. Um, so it's important to just understand that uh, when people are trying to stretch out, they're well-intentioned, but they're just maybe not doing the right thing. Wow. Yeah. The, um, I'm just trying to think of that as I, as I stretch my own back right now. I'm like, oh man, um, <laughs> I don't know why I feel the, the need to like crack everything right now as you're talking. Um, uh, so that, that's interesting that though, that, 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 like you said, you might find momentary relief from doing a stretch, but you're actually doing more damage. Is there any, I guess now, I guess my nat first natural question on that would be like, okay, like, how do I, like, is there any way to know, are there any telltale, like, things that happen, like, 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 where, where this scenario happens, you know, like, like, so I can, so I can know if I am actually, like, either, either being helpful or actually, like, doing more damage. So I think one of it is, like, taking, like, that, like, 30,000 foot view, right, stepping back and looking at the whole scenario of what's going on. So... If someone has had back pain for a long time and they continue to stretch, yet and their back pain is either worsening or at least not improving, mm -hmm. it's probably not the lack of stretching, right? Not but sure. in their mind, their belief system is is like, oh my my uh, my aunt's neighbor's dog's walker, you know, did this <laughs> and they told me that this worked for them, so it must work for me too. Um, but that's not going to work for everybody. Uh, so I think it's really kind of stepping back and kind of looking at all the, the variables and the factors. And then in therapy, we're seeing things, what looks more like an acute flare, what looks more like a chronic condition, you know, the descriptors, is it a sharp pain or is it a dull pain, right? Okay. Is it a shooting pain or is it more of an achy pain? Like those little words that we want to communicate with people, um, they're just descriptors to some people, but they mean a lot to us, right? That's what we're trying to process. And it's describing a certain type of pain that we're thinking it's more soft tissue or more nerve or more joint or uh, more beliefs uh, or, or trauma even sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's, there's no ever like single telltale of, you know, this always leads to that. Um, but stepping back and kind of looking at all the factors, so many times people come in and, and when I'm doing my initial evaluations with them, I'll tell them, hey, I'm going to gather a lot of information here. I want you to kind of tell me everything and I'll distill out what like correlates and what makes sense. And I'll try to connect those dots for you um, because it'll still happen where sometimes you get into a third session and somebody will tell you something else they're doing. You're like, oh, I didn't realize you were doing uh, like derby car smash up on the weekends. Like we didn't talk about right, that. Right, right, right. Like maybe we need to consider that as what your back pain is. <laughs> the... um. Yeah, I mean, those. Are, yeah, I, yeah, I think that's a common thing, right? Like people not, like you said, like telling you everything that they're doing, so that way there might be a big piece missing. And another thing you said too was uh, something that rings true for me too is is not knowing how to describe your pain. Um, you know that um, I, I don't know. It's it's like I wonder. It's like it's like do you is there like a sheet going around or something where you can like so I can you know where those words are correlated like like so what like what is a shooting pain or what is a dull pain or achy pain because sometimes i feel like we don't know how to like totally say like what that thing i mean obviously going in to see you but um i don't know some of that is helpful i think as as a as a you know whatever as a patient to like to be able to like describe what you're feeling or what you're experiencing 
Yeah, Kevin, I think um, that's why we want to like have that in-person interaction and kind of understand your personality and who you are a little bit more. Because what you describe as a shooting pain and what Sarah describes as a shooting pain, what I describe as a shooting pain might be very different. And that intensity might be very different, right? True, um, When true. people say, oh, we weren't going to talk about this myth, but when they're like, oh, I have a really high pain tolerance. Like, well, like that's relative to you, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> you know, I can think of people at other times in their life that have been much had must have much more pain than I've ever experienced in my life, right? You think of terrible tragedies and things, but like your pain tolerance is based on your experiences. Um, so we want to kind of gauge where you're at. When people come in, they're like, oh, I have an 11 out of 10 pain, but like I just saw you finish your workout. Like, I don't think you do, yeah. right? Like you might, you might now because you did something you shouldn't have been doing. Um, but like you just walked in here, right? Like, yeah, you, know, you yeah. get that 10 out of 10 pain, like, I'm sending you to Sarah to get medication first, and then we're going to have a conversation, yeah. right? Because <laughs> that's not a realistic right. thing, right? And you can't be no. calm. I have a 10 out of 10 pain. Like, no, no, that's not what a 10 out of 10 sounds like. <laughs> 10 right. out of 10 pain is like, is like your leg is like coming off or something. Right, you're birthing or you're passing a stone, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, I had a nurse that was a, a fr girlfriend of mine who was a, a triage nurse for a um, – a specialty practice. So she's just on the phone, you know, taking the messages and running kind of behind the scenes between the patients and the providers. And she would have this one lady who would always be like, it's, it's a 15 out of what a 10, like I'm like, and she's like, is there a knife in your body anywhere? Like, is right. there some foreign object? Like, have you been shot? Like she would be like, I, we need mm -hmm. to like, we need to rein this in. I can't go with to anybody with this and say, you know, she's calmly talking to me on the phone with a whatever out of you know 15 out of 10 pain um, so she had all these examples she would throw out of like they'd be like well no well no like are you sitting you know like you can sit like you're like trying to just like rein it back in um yeah. but it is individual to everybody like i i think you're right Stephen, and it's based on your own kind of frame of reference and what you've experienced in other circumstances and um you know what you can pull in as far as different personal coping mechanisms to make it seem like not that bad or really bad. Um, I think you, you were just kind of talking about like that reframing and that communication of them. When people are saying that they're at that 15 out of 10, right? Which that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense, right? Um, but, it, but if you can then go through them with the scenarios of like, okay, is this happening? Do you need to go to the emergency room? Do you think you need to be seen right now? Does something yeah. have to yeah. be done? And if you can reframe that and they're like, you know what? No, maybe I'm a six out of 10. Well, man, you just cut that person's pain like by less than half. That is some powerful intervention you just had right, right. there because now they have belief. Look of at like, us go. Oh, it could be worse, right? I'm not that bad. Yeah. Right. So just by having that conversation yeah. with them, you're already like reframing their thought, and that's going to change their pain over time. You know. You know. Yeah. I think. I think you should. I, I think as. A, I think this would probably go viral if you. You should create a sheet that, because you know, in the doctor's office, all they have is those little smiley faces of like, are you, you know, is it this much pain? Is, or is it that much pain? It's like you should have like ten out of ten, like like death, or like like you said, like like knife in stomach, you know, right. and then like like to give people gauges because that way they know that way they know. Oh no, actually, my, actually, I'm experiencing about a two out of ten right now, mm -hmm. you know, um, which would be I think helpful to everybody, right? Um, so, so that's that's deciding people's personalities, right? Some people are gonna be very offended by that, right? And some people will be like, you know what, you're right. Um, you know, so, so you have to build that rapport with them a little bit. That's too, true. Right? You know when you push people, you can't push them on the first day usually, but but some clients come in and they like they tell you like it's a hey, fine line. It's a fine yeah. line. But once mm -hmm. you do get to know them, then, yeah, mm -hmm. then you know once, how they'll once, respond. Once they know that, and, like, um, yeah, we're we're doing your best interests, right? Like I'm I'm being 
truthful and honest with you. I'm trying to help you as much as I can. Um, and we need to like reframe these things sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I have had the conversation of like, if, if this is really where your pain level is, which is fine, then this is, we need to go to the emergency room. Right. Like, right. This is, you shouldn't be here if you're is, at that 15 yeah, out of 10. Yeah. And then, and then you can kind of sometimes walk, walk that back. And sometimes you can't, sometimes they really are that it's, it's that uncomfortable. Then that is the, that is the next step. Um, yeah. So what would we started with that? Um, Oh yeah, we all came. All that came out of the stretching. So, um, so the take-home message, I think, um, tell me if I'm wrong, Steve, for that would be, just you can't always stretch your way out of everything. You, you might have the best intention, but mm -hmm. I like that idea. It's it's it, the stretching might just be activating different neurons and different receptors in that tissue that sends a different message. So it might feel better temporarily, but you're really not making anything better. Um, yeah, the, the, and why not? The, the stretch will be the more common one, but you'll you'll see people on the other side like, oh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lift until until it goes away, right? Mm. Or or I'm just gonna or I'm just gonna avoid this activity until it goes away, and then they go back with their same bad mechanics and it comes back again, right? Um, so stretching is what we see most commonly. That's kind of the biggest belief system, but it can be with lifting. It can be with um, the amount of activity. It can be with like the positions you're doing. So that same variability of like, I've been trying to do this. Well. That's good, but that's not that's not solving your problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. The, so, so, so I guess also I'll, I'll, to to cap that. Um, so, if you also have been, like you said, I think before, if you've been experiencing something for, I don't know, what what, what would you say? How many weeks or months would you say if somebody has been like stretching or doing something and not seeing a marked improvement? Like what? What? What's that length of time before they should make an appointment with you, or, uh, or you know, or or a physical um, therapist, you know, near them? Well, so this is why um, a lot of times we do want to talk to people ahead of time and just help them navigate. Because if you just sprained your ankle, right? Obviously, you don't want to be stretching it. We just need to let it calm down for a little while, yeah. right? We want to just stabilize. We want to protect it. And sometimes that's something we can just be like, "Hey, this is what you're going to do in four weeks. Give me a call back, right? Like, or let me know if anything changes." But if you've had back pain for 10 years and you've been stretching for eight of them, right? Yeah. Like that's like you need to be coming in now because you're clearly not doing the right thing, right? You should not continue to have pain. We know all tissue damage heals if you give it enough time, right? No matter what injury we've ever seen, it heals over time. So you're getting to that like years mark, right? That tissue damage is healed and you're doing something mechanically, stability-wise, um, timing-wise, and you're re-irritating those things. Just keep um, aggravating it. Yeah. yeah. So it kind of, it, it is unique to the situations, but this is why, like, you should have a physical therapist in your team of people that you can call, because people will call me and be like, okay, so this doesn't sound like it's actually as serious as you might think it is. So let's just do this for a few days. I can see you next week. Let's just check in. Um, and then from there, we can make a better plan, right? Also, once you have that therapist, like, in your team, I already know what your baseline is, right? So Sarah, who I work with regularly, if something comes up with her, it's relatively new, right? Because I know she's been in a pretty good spot. This isn't something that's been going on for six years, mm -hmm. right? Because we've already worked on those problems. Yeah. Right? So now she's coming in like, okay, this is relatively acute. It's new. Obviously, if we had a, a fall or an injury or something like that, um, we have timelines of healing for tissue timelines. Um, but usually it's like, it's small changes. We're not waiting for like everything to fall off the track. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. All right. Yeah. I know. And then, 
I'm going to lead maybe a, another myth. Um, and I've heard this from patients, so I, um, I'll put it out there and I'll tell you kind of what I might say back to them, but you can tell me. So I have definitely, again, as a primary care suggested to patients for multiple different things, hey, why don't you try a course of physical therapy? Really, why don't you just give some PT, give PT a chance, you know, let's, let's work with somebody, come back to me in four to six weeks, we'll see how it's doing. Maybe then we do X, Y, and Z if it's not helping. Um, and many times I will get back from the patient, oh, I've tried PT, it doesn't work. I've tried PT, that it didn't work, it didn't work. And maybe I'll drill down and they've just really went once or maybe they went twice or maybe, you know, I'll say, oh, well, maybe this is, you know, maybe you need a different, you know, it, I don't know, Steve, what, what would you say to that? I have suggestions that I get back to the patients, but um, I, I think if I was a physical therapist, that would be my pet peeve um, and, and a myth that would bother me when people are like, oh, yeah, I tried PT, it doesn't work. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we still see those clients come in and they're reluctant to come in, but they're coming in because, like your word, Sarah, is so powerful to them. And you say, like, I think you should try PT. And they're like, they reluctantly, oh, I'll, I'll go try PT, right? But if they've tried PT before and it hasn't worked, well, it hasn't, I obviously have a bias, it hasn't been a good fit for them, right? If someone's not looking at the right thing, um, if they're not addressing what that person is looking to address, then, yeah, it's not going to work. Um a side note of that is one of the things that limits us in therapy. And Sarah, I know you and your audience appreciate this is like insurance restrictions, right? So sometimes therapy doesn't work because we're not allowed to do what it is we want to do, right? I can't coach you on the floor of how to do a deadlift if we're just doing insurance-based therapy sometimes, right? I can't um, extend our treatment to finish it all the way, right? And get your symptoms under control, but I'm not having enough time over, over time to actually make those changes long lasting. Uh, so there is some restriction to that. I generally think it's it hasn't been a good fit. You know, I'm not the perfect fit for everybody for physical therapy. I feel like I can help a lot of people, but there are people that come into me and I can identify and have humility to acknowledge that like, hey, I could help you, but this provider can help you better, right? I need to send you to this specialist because they're gonna be able to either hit a home run with you or they're gonna be able to get you through this part and then, then I can come back in on the back end and kind of uh, finish off the job with you. So I think um, when people haven't had good results of physical therapy, it's generally not been a good fit for them. And sometimes they're getting referred inappropriately, right? Sometimes primary yeah. care providers are sending them to us and it's our job to identify like, no, this isn't a, a physical therapy need. There's something else going on here. So if we're trying to treat something we shouldn't be treating, we're not going to get outcomes. And and what, um, I guess what uh, you, said, you said sometimes, you know, you said sometimes it's not a good fit. Now, it's not a good fit because maybe you don't have as much expertise in that in that very specific injury, or somebody else does, or like what 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 would be what would be like a scenario where like you would say, you know what, like for this specific thing right here, I think you know X person or X practice is better for you. Uh, so Kevin, I I work a lot with like uh, winter sport athletes, right? So skiers and snowboarders. So let's say mm -hmm. the I see this a lot: a skier that tears their ACL. Yeah. Well, if you're going to a therapy clinic that's filled with hip replacements with walkers that are working on their balance and they're just trying to get up their three steps to get into their house, that's not a good fit for you, right? Yeah. You're trying to get back to like a, a recreational level of skiing at the least, right? Sometimes it's competitive levels. Um, yeah. But if you're looking, if you're looking to get back out to um, what you love to do and you're in a clinic that's filled with people that are not doing what you love to do and you know it when you walk in, you know that clinician is 
you know, really good at hip replacements, but that's not you, right? You're an ACL repair. That's a different, that's a different outcome. That's a different um, way to treat that. So sometimes that's not a good fit. Okay. Um, and then there's other subspecialties, um, like some of Sarah's audience, and we have a common provider that we'll work with at times. Um, sometimes, um, like, there's a pelvic health issue, mm-hmm. right? I can help with pelvic health stuff, but sometimes you need someone who specializes in just that. Okay. Right? And that is where we need to recognize, like, okay, you need to go to this person now, and then when you're getting ready to get back to your CrossFit workouts, come back in and see me. Right? But we, okay. can't, we can't do that part here. Wow, I wasn't even honestly. I wasn't even aware. I think I would have lumped, you know, all physical therapy into like, yeah, sure, it's physical therapy. Like, I, I guess I wasn't even aware that, like, yeah, I mean, it makes sense when you say it, duh. Um, that like, obviously, some people are like, you know, you know, like have specialized in certain areas and are better at that. Um, so that's that's a good thing to keep out, keep an eye out for. Is like you said, right? Is looking at if you're going for physical therapy, if you've been referred. Look at who, look at what, what injuries are being taken care of in there. Look at maybe who the clientele is, right? Maybe, you know, maybe if you're going in there, I mean, you know, depending, and it's a bunch of 90 year old women on walkers. And like you said, and you're, you know, trying to get back to, uh, you know, competitive snowboarding, you, it, you might not be in the right spot. You might be in the right spot, but you might not be, you know, right. um, take a look around the waiting room. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, and you might have an, a great clinician in front of you. They just might not be in the right environment, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I have a lot of experience treating stroke clients, right? And I like treating strokes. That was the earlier part of my career. Um, but if you came into me now with a stroke, I don't have the facility for it. I don't have the equipment for it. I can't manage you as well as somewhere else can manage you, even though I feel like my skill set is there, but I don't have the the availability to give you what you need. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's not always the limitation of the of the clinician. Right. Sometimes it's the environment. Sometimes it's the insurance. Um, sometimes it's, you know, the, the system that they work in. OK. That makes sense. It's enlightening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I would say also just based on what the cash based model that Steve and I both um, practice under is. I think it's, it's it's freeing for many reasons. I won't get on my whole spiel about all of that, but I, I think Steve would agree with this. Sometimes I would, might have written for somebody to go to physical therapy in more of a traditional using your insurance model um, because their knee hurts. So please evaluate and treat left knee pain, you know, patient has had for so many months, blah, blah, blah. Um, mm-hmm. And then when they get to Steve, he's, you know, he's going to know it might be the knee, but it probably is the hip or maybe it's the ankle or maybe it's the tight muscles in their calf or, you know. Um, and again, in that traditional insurance-based model, the patient has to come back to me and see me again, tell me what the physical therapist said. Then we have to rewrite the order and then send them back. And it, it's just um, it's just cumbersome. And I like his approach. That's just, I can just say, even something as simple to Steve is like, I, just watch this patient walk. Something's up. I don't know what it is. Something's up. I, they're complaining of some pain in their legs or their leg or, you know, and, he, and then they go to him and he just figures it out. They sort it out. Um, it's priceless. Yeah. I think, I think so that's a, a um, that. Thank you. Um, I think yeah. that's the same humility that we have to have as like physical therapists, as we're seeing in primary care providers now, like knowing what you know and knowing what you don't know. Yeah. Right. And it's okay to refer out to another specialist, right? In the cash model, we are all about that. Our network of providers is excellent. And if I can't help you, I will, if I don't already know somebody who can, I will help find that person who can, right? Because I want to have that connection. If you come in with a, um, 
if, if your hand got smashed in a car door, right? Like that's a difficult injury, right? Like I can help you, but like there's a hand specialist that's really good at that stuff, right? And you'd be better going there. Um, or like, you know, Sarah, when you're having someone who, you know, walking in the clinic, it's just something that something's off and you just need another set of eyes. And like, I watch people walk all the time. That's something we do a lot of in therapy, right? So I just have a keener eye for that sort of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So just knowing like, you know, what your lane is and then like who your friends are. <laughs> and, and, uh, and one question now that you say that, because um, my, uh, my son has uh, like a, uh, autism and then one of the, one of the first things he has, so he has um, just like a mild learning disability, but a lot of it more of it's like, it's like physical stuff. Um, and he has like a, the, the reason why I, when I first kind of figured out this was like a, that there was something really going on was like, he had, he had this like alert, like this walk, it's kind of like lurch to him. Like it wasn't, it wasn't all the time, but it was like normal, normal, like zombie lurch, normal zombie lurch. Um, so with people with maybe like, um, not just like accident, um, Injuries from accidents, but maybe like developmental or whatever. Like, is that is that also something that physical therapy like that we should people should be looking into or? Um... Yeah, I think definitely. they specialize, but yeah, yeah, have... that's one of those things. Um, you know, having a good pediatric physical therapist is an important part. And there's certain things, right? There's going to be the um, the pediatric therapist that's going to work with primarily the orthopedic injuries, right? Like the, the kids that have a jumper's knee, right? Like that sort of stuff. But there's also going to be physical pediatric physical therapists that are going to work with the the um, the neurological things, right? So like the autisms, like um, mm-hmm. some of those other opportunities to work with a specialist, I think is going to be really valuable for you. Um, so yeah, I, I think a good sports or an orthopedic physical therapist is probably beneficial. But you might be able to, especially in the area that you live in, you might be able to find someone who specifically um, is excellent with that. And then it might even be something that you know, as an active parent, they're teaching you of things you can work on. And then come back in three months, come back next year, right? Yeah. Check in with me when you need me, right? You don't need to be here all the time, right? Going to, going to physical therapy isn't a penalty. You're not being punished, right? You're going <laughs> to learn something about yourself, right? And as yeah. a parent, right, you're, you're that person that has to learn from your child. Um, so if you can find that that partner that is going to help you be a an expert consultation to help your child, and then you can implement those things at home and on a day-to-day task, um, you're just going to get better outcomes, right? Instead of waiting for that magic pill that's going to fix everything. Yeah, and that's what we've basically run into, right? Is like, is like, you know, initially when you're, you know, to any other parents listening, obviously who've gone through this, they'll they'll definitely um, relate to this. Is like you start with the neurologist and all the things, right? And then you start to get some diagnosis, and you know, and, you know, you get a pill here and there, or whatever. But then you start to see because when you first start, you think, oh, there will be a pill. And this will either like fix things or it'll make it like a lot better. And then you realize it's like, no, it kind of doesn't. It like it does a little bit, but it, like it, it makes it maybe a little more manageable or it makes them a little more hospitable to like be or, or whatever, amenable to working with things. Anyway, the point is, it's like there's still a lot left that you like have to try to do on your own. Like there's still a lot. Like I, I, I always say tell people like um both with my like cancer diagnosis and also with like my son's autism diagnosis a lot of times it feels like you're being like dropped off at the edge of the woods with a flashlight and they're just, and it's just like, all right, like have like, hope you find your way, you know? Um, and, but so that's why I was thinking like when you were talking, I was like, okay, well maybe I need to look into physical therapy. Cause like, yeah, the, you know, the pills have done a little bit, but 
you know, that extra mile or get him to some more normalcy, maybe that's just going to have to, like you said, like physical therapy would to like re- to help him like retrain his brain to like to do certain things that are that are harder for him. Yeah, I think um, you know you want to take like that proactive approach, right? And that's where the therapy side really settles in, right? Wouldn't it be better to identify early that he's having trouble with his walking rather than waiting for him to fall on his face? Yeah. Right. That would be yeah. the reactive part when you're going in with like, you know, the, the orbital fracture and like a, a you know a jammed up shoulder. Right. It'd be better to identify those things earlier. Um, so I think, yeah, try to try to have that proactive approach um, and learning the therapy of what can you do. Let's flare up. You, you, you already have a relationship with somebody the same way you have a, you have a physical. So you have a primary care. So when something comes up, you have somebody to call. Yep. Right, so you want to have somebody to call when an injury happens. You want to have somebody that you you can trust and you can work with, um, and just say like, "Hey, is this something that you can help me with?" Or do you know somebody who can help me with that? Um, and I do believe in in having more than one physical therapist in your network, right? Because wow, sometimes okay. people aren't available. Sometimes people need a certain specialty, um, or at least having a, a therapist who can connect you to those other people. Uh, so we work, Sarah and I both work with a variety of providers and we send people to all sorts of other services that are not primary care and are not physical therapy um, mm-hmm. because we can identify, we yeah. can objectively identify that like, I think this is what you need right now, right? And then we'll see how you respond to that and we'll help you work through that process. So we're kind of that coach and that accountability partner along the way with it. Um, and that's really what I think the big value is, especially the cash model, is that we can be there with you long term, not just in six weeks when this ankle sprain calms down, right? But yeah. in six months when you're trying to play basketball again, right? Or you're yeah. trying to ski again, right? Mm-hmm. Or you're on the slip and slide, you know, however, <laughs> however it happens. Or you're on the slip and slide. Uh, yeah. Um, Ryan has been known to uh, hit a slip and slide and bust through a few hay bales at the end and into a pond. Um, it's not surprising. I we, yeah, I know. Because anybody I say that to, they're like, oh, yeah, of course. Um, I was right behind him, but I was able to stop myself before I hit the pond. So I was, you know, at least one of us looked slightly good. classier. I don't Yeah. Right, right. As a good husband should, right? As yeah. a good partner. It's a good partner should. He took one for right. the team and broke And someone one. has to put those husbands back together. That's true. Oh we um, we we could have needed you. We were uh, we felt very old the next day when we were like, oh my gosh, maybe we can't slip and slide down uh, about a quarter mile down two hills through some hay bales into a pond anymore. Um, anyways, no, but I agree with you, Steve. I think um, when your goal is, and I'm not saying this is not the goal for many other providers. I think this should is the goal that all healthcare providers start with, but. Um, I just think at least for me, as I've aged into my career, I think for you, as you've kind of come into your own practice and and to just the priority of really developing strong relationships with our clients um, and the goal of just keeping, you know, just keeping them healthy, I think for me, right? That's just the, um, I want a healthy, I want to contribute to my community and keep my community at large healthier. I want to keep the individuals that, um, seek me out healthier. I don't want to just see them in crisis and in illness. And I want to mm-hmm. right, set some goals, have some accountability, have this um, kind of just ongoing relationship with them, um, which is wait, who doesn't want, I don't know, who doesn't want that in their life? That's what I think. I would want that. So mm-hmm. try to people offer are that to that our more clients. More. People are valuing more and more that, that relationships. You know, that was one of the, uh, one of the silver linings of, of post quarantine is people are realizing how much they actually like other people. 
Yeah. Right? Some people yeah. want to have those good relationships and they, and they, uh, some relationships have, have whittled down, right? But people are like reinforcing the things that are, that they're getting something from, right? That are serving them well. Um, and I think healthcare can be polarizing, right? It can either be like, well, forget healthcare, they didn't do anything for me. Or it can be this, this partnership of like, hey, I have my person and I trust them and they will navigate me through this storm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think people, I think we are, I think people are looking for, uh, myself included, um, you want people who look you, like who you can trust, who you know have your back. And, and once again, and, and, and what you guys are both providing too, which is, it's also that between care, because as a, I'm always in the doctor's office, right, for, for my cancer and stuff like that. And the problem is, is when you start, and, you know, and, and, and people who even aren't, right, as you start getting older and seeing more and more um, medical professionals, you start to feel like you're slipping through the cracks because this person prescribed you this, this person said this, that person said that, and you don't have anybody who's kind of like looking at the whole picture to be like, well, wait, like, you know, you know, you just go in and they say, and they say, well, 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 what pills are you on right now? And you're like, I don't know, I'm on like a ton. Like, so you want somebody who can like, who has, uh, a more 360 view of like what you're going through to help you guide, to help guide you and make and help you make decisions for your own care that feels like responsible and feels like complete. Um, and that's what I know. That's what I'm looking for. And I, that's, I think that's a big trend that people are, are looking for now too. Those are the exact people that we work with, right? That's who we're looking for. Also the people that are valuing that, right? If you yeah. want to look at the, the, the lifespan and your wellness over time, Right, that is someone who is going to, um, you know, uh, help you uh, figure out all, all the little tricky parts about it, navigating the good and the bad. Um, so, you know, people are looking for that, and and there are providers that are providing that. That's what me and Sarah are doing primarily. But it's also why we have limited caseload sizes too. It's also why we can't just have open doors all the time, right? Because we have to fulfill in the relationships that we've already provided, right? People are expecting us to deliver for them. And we want to help as many people as we can, but I need to give you the amount of attention that that we need to like help you figure out what you're doing. And and what and and so where can I guess I guess so what, what a question I would have is are you accepting people right now? Is your practice like are you full? Or are you are you taking are you have like a wait list or? Um... So for me, um, I generally have a little bit of a wait list. You know, I have a lot of people that I've worked with for long periods of time, right? People that have come in with acute injuries, we've solved those, but they like what we're doing and they've stayed for a year. I have some people over two years now that have mm -hmm. continued to work with me kind of on a monthly basis um, because they still value all the other stuff because we can talk about other things with them. Um, once we once we solve their pain and their movement issues, we can talk about stress and sleep and nutrition and hydration and um, all the other things that make your life healthy. Um, so we are accepting new people. We are growing. We are bringing on another clinician soon. Um, okay. So that is an opportunity for us to like fulfill and still deliver this great system that we we try to wrap them around with. Um, and we're always open to taking calls with people. Right? We want to spend at least that 15-minute call with you in the beginning to figure out like if we're the right fit for you. We don't want you wasting your time and coming in here just for us to find out an hour later that like you don't need to be here right now. Like You need to be somewhere else right now. Yeah. Um, so we, we like helping people navigate that stuff and we have, you know, referral sources. We have other people we can refer to. If we can't get you in, I can help you find somewhere you can get in quickly if that's what's necessary. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of like 
that's almost like too good to be true, right? That's not what healthcare sounds like. Yeah, right? it doesn't. But the service <laughs> side is just what's necessary now. Yeah, that's 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 amazing. So so people should so people are are you you they have the green light to call to see even if you you may or may not be able to take them on because like you said you are full you're bringing somebody else on, but they can call you to at least have the initial consult to figure out if it's the right thing and you're willing to make a recommendation right if uh, you know if if they're not if you're not the right fit for them uh as to somewhere else to go mm -hmm. yeah you know there's this uh saying in like you know one of the original founders of physical therapy he talks about like people will tell you exactly what's wrong with them if you just listen <laughs> right and you mm -hmm. know most of our consult in the beginning is just asking questions and letting them tell their story and we do a lot on the phone and then a lot of that on the phone i can kind of determine like hey we should come here or we need to do something else first yeah and, and where and where can people find you on the uh well one i guess you know where's your where's your uh practice at and then i guess where uh can people find you online on social media uh well if you've been to true path wellness you should know right where my practice is we are right next door to each other <laughs> uh we we share a lobby Sure. Um, Makes um, it so very my, convenient for me to hobble in. You like Steve? Yeah. Not a, it's not a far hobble. Um, no. So uh, our office is in Essex Junction in Vermont. Um, you can find more information about us. We're on all the social media uh, at uh, Snowbees Performance, except for Twitter. I'm not. I'm not tweeting currently. Yeah. Good. Maybe yet. Good. Um, uh, but uh, and then also SnowbeesPerformance.com. Um, so we're pretty easy to find. Um, I think we have one of those names. If you throw Snow Beast up there, you're going to find us. That's kind of a unique name. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, yeah, thank you, Steve, for your time. I appreciate it. You are successfully our first guest. So this will go down in history as the, the when Kevin and I branched out and quit just rambling on about our own thoughts and brought in some other experts. Um, <laughs> but, no, I, I really I appreciate your time. Um I've worked with you personally. I have seen you. You've worked with my patients. I've seen you working with just other people in the office. And um, yeah, everything he says he does, he does. He listens. He figures it out. He takes his time, uh, develops a good relationship. So uh, Snow Beast, yeah, it's, they're 100% worth it. All right. Well, that is the pod. Thank you very much for being on, Steve. Thank you very much, Sarah. Thank you very much, Kevin. Uh, Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. Sorry. Sorry, I didn't think of it. Oh, no, no. It's, I, I have no problem taking myself. Don't worry. Uh, no, but uh, thank you guys all for listening, and we will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.